one that we have used in the past, alluded to many times, uh, but I believe the Lord has something uh, specific and particular that He wants us to deal with uh, this morning. So look in the book of Matthew, chapter number 25, and uh, we will begin reading with verse number 14, reminding you that there are sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, so make sure and look there, and it will help you uh, fill in the blanks, help you keep focused and keep uh, uh, your mind on what we are doing this morning, and also give you something to take home with you this morning. Matthew chapter number 25 began reading with verse number 14. Jesus said, it's a parable that Jesus or gave or a story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came, brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, but look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Father, I just pray again today, Lord, as we uh, endeavor, Lord, to minister the word of the Lord. Father, I just pray today, Father, that your anointing will rest upon us today. Lord, help us, Father, to have freedom and liberty today to deliver the word that you would have delivered today. Lord, let also our ears be anointed today to hear the word of the Lord. God, I just pray today for those that specifically, Lord, need this little simple word today. They will hear and they will heed and they will be blessed by it today. For the glory of the Lord, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. Well, in the verses that we have just finished reading, Jesus tells the story or parable of the talents. A very, very familiar uh, parable of Jesus, one that we've used many times, talked about many times. You've heard uh, hundreds of sermons about him. 
We understand that a talent was a measure of money like our dollars are today. Jesus said that there was a wealthy man and he called three of his servants together and and, uh, he gives each one of these servants a different amount of money. And then Jesus said the man went away for a while and then he returned and when he returned he called these three uh, servants in to see him uh, to give an account of what they did with what he gave them. You know the story, we just read it. Two of the servants doubled their master's money. And because of that, they were rewarded for doing so. Well, the third servant, he did absolutely nothing with his master's money. And Jesus said, this man was punished. Now this parable or story of the talents that Jesus gave is a picture of Jesus and his servants. It's a picture of God and man. Jesus is the master in this story, and we are the servants. So what we have, our gifts and our talents and our abilities, have been given to us by God. And one of these days, God is going to call us to himself, and we are going to give an account of what we did with what he gave us to work with. Now, there are just so many things that we could say about this parable. There's at least a hundred sermons in this parable. And I've said much about this uh, parable in the past. But today, I'm choosing to pick out three very simple things. This is, this is so simple this morning. The, 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 the word that I have today. And yet, though it is so incredibly simple, I believe that it is a word that someone and probably several someones need to hear. Today, So let me just share just three very simple things that I believe that we can learn from this story. And the first thing that I want us to learn this morning, and it's simply this, do your best. It's just that simple this morning, do your best. Now, please understand me this morning. I am not talking about salvation today. So I I need to be clear and up front with you this morning to understand that I am not talking about salvation today. Salvation is a gift from God that only comes through faith in God's Son and what He did on the cross. It can never be earned. I'm not talking about salvation today. Understand that. I'm talking about what we do with our lives after we are saved. I'm talking about serving the God who saved us. You see, once God saves us, we should then serve Him. And we serve God by the way that we live our life. We hear people talk about serving God, and it's a term that we use in church, but what does it really mean to serve God? It simply means we serve Him by the way that we live our life. You might say, Pastor, then how should I live my life? Do your best. Do your best. And understand this this morning. Please hear this. It's very, very uh, uh, elementary this morning. It's very simple. But I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to understand. uh, When I talk about doing your best, understand that my best is different than your best. And your best is different than my best. How many understand this morning that we haven't all been dealt the same hand? I said all of us, we we have not all been uh, dealt the same hand. 
All of us here today have different kinds and different amounts of gifts and talents and abilities. And such was the case in this story that Jesus told. Let's look at verse 14 and verse 15 again. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. And he called his own servants uh, and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. The master in this story had three servants. And he gave all three of his servants a different amount of, of money. To one he gave five talents. To another servant, he gave two talents. And to the third uh, servant, he gave one talent. But I want you to notice verse number 15. It says, according to the generosity of the master, right? I tricked you. You'll never say amen again. (laughs) I said he gave one five talents. He gave two talents to the other. And he gave only one to the other. Uh, Verse 15 says, according to the generosity of the master, right? No, 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 according to the servant's own ability. He distributed his goods, not according unto his generosity, but he distributed his goods according to the individual ability of his three servants. Well, maybe this isn't quite so simple. You see, the master knew his servants well. He knew what they were capable of. He knew the amount of pressure that they could handle. He knew what their abilities were. 38 years ago, this month, in October of 1972, 38 years ago, this month, when I started in full-time ministry, God didn't place me in the ministry that I'm in right now. 38 years ago when I first started in ministry, I couldn't direct an $850,000 budget. Our offerings were about $15 a week. Talk about a prospering pastor. 38 years ago when I first began in full-time ministry, I I wouldn't know how to lead five staff members. and Still not sure I did. 38 years ago, I couldn't find financing for, or I couldn't work with an architect or builder to build a $2 million building. And because of this, God placed me in a tiny little church in a tiny little town to get me started. God placed me where I could do the least amount of damage. God gave me but one talent to start with. But if I were to prove myself faithful with the one talent that He gave me, then He would allow that talent to double. And if with that double talent I remain faithful, oh, God would allow that double talent to double again and again and again and again. You see, all that God expects out of me is my best. He expects me to do the best I can with what I have. And my best is different than your best. And your best is different than my best. Verse 15, to each according to his own ability. 
You see, the master in this story didn't expect the two-talent man to do what the five-talent man did. And he didn't expect the one-talent man to do what the five and the two-talent men did. What he did expect, hear me, what he did expect was that each man do the very best that he could with what he had been given. We haven't all been dealt the same hand. Some are smarter than others. I'm pretty smart. I've been called a smart aleck before. Some are smarter than others. Some are more talented than than others. Hey, listen to this. Some have a better starting place. Some have a better starting place than others. Oh, the servant who ended up with ten talents. Oh, how awesome and incredible. Can you imagine how large and how, how tall the stack of money was when he presented it to his master? Ten talents. Ten talents to lay at the feet of his master. Wow, ten talents. But he started with five. He started with five. He had a much better starting place than the one that started with the two and certainly a much better starting place than the one who started with one. Friend, too often we look around at where others are in life and we feel very inferior to them. Let me address that this morning. First of all, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 that it's unwise to compare ourselves with other people. Perhaps the person who seems to be far ahead of you in life, perhaps they had a better starting place than you did. A man arrived in town just with just the clothes on his back and a briefcase in his hand. That's all he had. Twenty years later, he had built a multi-million dollar company. Had become very influential in his community. He was being honored for his entrepreneurial spirit. And he was giving the speech as he was being honored that day. And in his speech he said, I can't believe that all of these years no one ever asked me what I had in the briefcase. He said, because inside that briefcase was a million dollars in cash. Some people have a better starting place than others do. Perhaps it's money. Perhaps it's a famous father or famous relative whose name gives you an advantage. Perhaps it's your education or training. Perhaps you're just naturally gifted above and beyond the average. The master in this story gives three different servants three different amounts of money. The servant who received five talents did his best. And because he did his best, he gained five more. The second who received two talents did his best and gained two more. But the one who received the one talent did not do his best at all. Actually, he did nothing. He dug a hole in the ground and buried his talents. And I want us to notice the reaction that the master has to what his servants did with what he gave them. Very, very important this morning. I want you to notice that he never compares the three servants with one another. 
He never compares the three servants with each other. He didn't say to the one with the two who gained two more. He didn't say to him, why don't you have ten talents like the other servant has? He didn't use comparison on the one that only had received the one talent and had buried his. He didn't say, well, at least you could have done what the other two have done. No, no, he didn't compare. Nowhere does he compare the people of the servants together. Listen, all that he expected out of all three of his servants was that they would do their best. That they would do the very best that they could as an individual. There are two problems that I see occur far too often with people. And the first problem is in people who place too much pressure on themselves trying to keep up with other people. And they compare themselves with other people and based upon their comparison of themselves to other people, they feel like they are coming up short. And because they feel like that they're not comparing and that they feel like that they're not uh, uh, equal and they feel that they're coming up short, and because of that they can never be happy, they can never be satisfied, they can never be content. It might be someone in their own family. It might be a brother or a sister in their own family. Or, or maybe it's they're comparing themselves with what their parents did when they were growing up and they don't feel like that they're measuring up and coming up to what, what, what they saw their parents do. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody in the church. And because as they compare themselves with others, there is always someone out there that appears to be ahead of them. I always tell my best friend, I want to grow my church to a thousand and I want you to grow yours to nine ninety nine. I always tell the guys I'm playing golf with, I want you to have a great day, but I want to shoot one less than you. It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult when you've got that competitive spirit not to compete and not to compare. The second problem I see is the people who feel like the man must have felt that only received the one talent. Perhaps he looked at his one lonely talent and compared it to the one that had five and the one that had two. And perhaps he thought, I'm so far behind that I'll never get caught up. There's no reason for me to even try. I better dig a hole and bury this one talent that I have before I lose it. Somebody here today needs to hear this very simple word today. Stop comparing what you have and what you don't have with that of other people. Stop beating yourself up because because your stack of stuff is smaller than your neighbor's stack of stuff. At the end of the day, it's just a stack of stuff. What the Bible says it's going to burn. And let me tell you, they're not that far ahead of you. They're just that much more in debt. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) I'll never forget one time my wife and I was going to a pastor school or something and one of the members of our church volunteered to take us to the airport. It's when I had the the old uh, uh, Ford Explorer. 
Old Blue. Sure hope that new owner's taking care of Old Blue. Sure loved Old Blue. Blue got it so bad it was dangerous. And so this gentleman drives us to the airport and then he's in Old Blue. And he can't believe how bad Old Blue is. And he tells his wife, I'm going to have a talk with the deacons of our church. Shame on them. Shame on them. Our pastor don't make enough money to drive anything better than this. Had nothing to do with my salary. I was blessed. I could buy a new car. But old blue was paid for. And I'd rather drive something like Old Blue than have the latest and the greatest driving me. Well, that's just me. You can be any way you want to. But a lot of those people that appear to be so far ahead of you, they're not ahead of you at all. They're just further in debt. Stop beating yourself up because your stack of stuff is smaller than your neighbor's stack of stuff. Stop depressing yourself by comparing your life with the life of others. Hear me today. Listen, hear me this morning. This is important. God doesn't judge our lives by comparing us with the lives of other people. I didn't say God won't judge our life. I said God will not judge our life based upon the lives of other people. God judges our lives by this formula. Did we do our best? Not somebody else's best, our best. He judges our life based on what He knows that we are capable of individually. Amen. He knows what our potential is. And when He judges us at the end of the day, it won't be how we did compared to somebody else. It will be how did we do compared, amen, with the ability, amen, the potential, amen, the capability that He knew was in our life. Notice the word faithful that appears in this passage. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What does it mean to be faithful? I preached a whole message on this. Let me just, just reiterate it real quickly. Let me, let me first tell you what it doesn't mean. Faithfulness does not mean maintaining. Faithfulness does not mean just showing up. Now this might be man's definition of faithfulness, but it's not, but it's not God's definition. Man says stuff like, well, he ain't no superstar, but, oh, he's faithful. Well, he hasn't done much since he took over, but he's faithful. Man thinks that if you just show up every day, then you are faithful. You're not going to get the MVP award, but you certainly get the faithful plaque. But God's definition of faithfulness is not the same as man's. You say, well, if that's not God's definition of faithfulness, Pastor, what is God's definition for faithfulness? Well, thanks for asking. I'm glad that you're paying attention today. To God, faithfulness means doing your best. Faithfulness means doing the best that you can with what He has given you to work with. That's faithful. Let me ask you a question today. Are you faithful? 
If faithful means doing your best with what you have, are you faithful? Are you faithful with your money? Are you doing the very best that you can with the amount of money that God has given you? See, I really believe I'm a steward. I really believe my money is not mine but God's. I could drive a better car. I could live in a better house. I'm not complaining about what I have, but I could, I, I mean, I could, I could put on the air. I, I, I could do it. I could play the game. I ain't playing man's game. I'm playing man's game. I'm old enough to understand a few things. Everything that glitters is not gold. Everything's not as it appears on the surface. Are you faithful? Are you faithful with your marriage? How is your marriage? Are you doing the best to make it better? Sure wish I had a fan. Your best is not just in not doing those things that would be a liability to your marriage. You can get next service, Brother Steve. It's all right. I didn't want to hear you anyway. Actually, he said through both services. Your best is not just in not doing those things that would be a liability to your marriage. That's maintaining. Your best would be in doing the things that would be an asset to your marriage. Things like reading a book about marriage. Well, I've been married 30 years and how's that working for you? Maybe you need to read the book again. Maybe you need to read a book on marriage. Maybe you need to go to a class on marriage. We have one. Well, I'm not a newlywed. Well, you're an oldiewed. You need it too. Maybe you need to go to a marriage counselor. We don't have a lot of problems. I'm not talking about solving problems. I'm talking about, amen, making your marriage better. I'm talking about doing your best. Hey, how about things like putting into practice the things that you have learned? It's one thing to go to the class. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. Faithful means doing your best with what you have been given. Number three, are you faithful with your ministry? Remember, faithful doesn't mean maintaining. Faithful doesn't mean just showing up. It means doing the very best you can with what you have been given. And by the way, how is that ministry now that you're involved? Is it bigger than it was before you got there? Is it better than it was before you got involved? Job security, son. Trying to be faithful, he said. (laughs) Listen, although faithful does not necessarily mean that your ministry will be bigger and better than somebody else's ministry, but it does mean that it will eventually be bigger and better than it was when you got involved. Because you can't do the very best that you can at something without it eventually becoming bigger and better. It's the law of sowing and reaping. 
We're talking about the parable of the talents this morning. There, there are three very, very simple things I, I just pulled from this. And I want us to learn from this story today. And the first one is simply do your best. But understand what that means. We talked about that. And secondly, serve God with zest. Serve God with zest. If you read between the lines, you can imagine the enthusiasm that two of these servants must have had. Let's read verse number 20. So he who had received five talents came and he brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look! If he was a kid, he might say, looky. Looky. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. It reminds me of my kids when they were little and maybe they were first starting to ride their bike and they would come and they'd get me and they'd take me outside and they'd get on their bike and they'd say, Daddy, look! The first time that Crystal was able to actually do a backflip in gymnastics, she says, Come here, Daddy! Come here, Daddy! And she said, Look! The man that had received the five talents. Oh, when the master brought him before him. Oh, he came and he said, Master, here's the five that you gave. But look! Look, here's five more. Same thing happened with the man that was given the two talents. He came to before his master and he said, Master, here's the two that I started with. But look! Look, master. Look! Look! Here's two more. Here's two more. Friend, not only should we do our best, but in doing so, we should serve God with zest. Titus 2 and 14 says that we should be zealous for good works. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, Whatever you do, do all. Say all. Do all for the glory of God. Every single thing that we do in life should be done as though we were doing it as unto the Lord. Perhaps we would have a better attitude towards life if we did everything that we did as we were doing it as unto the Lord. Oh, what would it be like if Jesus were standing here, right here today, in the flesh? Surely we'd be a little bit more excited. We'd be a little bit more enthusiastic about what we are doing. Quickly, let me mention three areas where we ought to be enthusiastic in. The first one is in our work. Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Friend, perhaps the reason why you are struggling at work is because you are working for the wrong person. You are working to please your boss when you ought to be working to please God. Romans 12 and 11, never be lazy but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Somebody said there's three kinds of workers. Oh, when a piano is to be moved, the first kind of worker